Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy Thursday at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Foss Corporation, LLC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments. This is season six, so sit back and enjoy. Listen to some stories of the weird, of the odd, of the strange and unusual some ghost stories, some cryptid stories, some just strange stuff. Again, welcome to Season 6. Enjoy! Hello my Mysterians. Welcome back to Terry's Mysterious Moments. This week I want to tell some stories. I've titled it, Some Ghost Stories from Up Home. Now, I'm not from San Antonio. I live here now. Uh, I reside here. But I am from Central Texas, a small town called Lexington, up between Austin and Bryan College Station. But I was curious about some of the stories that I'd heard about from up in that area. And the first story begins like this. The clock in the downstairs hall struck two as two men kept an all-night vigil over a dead family member. They used to call that sitting up with the dead. A violent storm raged outside and broke the stillness of the night with loud, intermittent thunder. Suddenly, upstairs in the darkness, a brass music box began to play. Vibrated into action by thunder, the family reasoned. The tale of ghostly music is one of several such stories to surface in the history of the old W.S.G. Wilson home in the Salem community near Cameron, says Maureen House and Paul Neighbors, who are cousins who own the land. The stately white southern colonial mansion could be haunted, says Neighbors, who admits he does believe in ghosts. On several occasions while he has been working alone repairing the old house, he has heard footsteps as if someone were descending the stairs to the first floor. I have never seen one, meaning a ghost, but I have heard them, and when I start hearing them, I leave, neighbor said. I wouldn't stay in that old house by myself at night for a $500 bill. I just hear things, people walking upstairs, footsteps coming down the stairs, 
And when they, the footsteps, hit that top step, that's when I leave. Though vacant for a long time, the mansion is now home for a Tennessee couple, modern-day pioneers who asked not to be identified. Since a couple moved into the house some time back with their dog, Bonnie, they too have encountered strange occurrences. Recently, at the stroke of midnight, the couple heard their dog run downstairs, only to look up and see the dog sitting in the bedroom. I heard every step she took down the steps, the woman said, but I raised up and looked and Bonnie was just sitting there. But something heavy did go down those stairs. The mysterious occurrences have not frightened the couple away. They would rather live in the old house, haunted or not, than in a modern brick box, the woman said. The plantation house was built by William Sewell Goodhue Wilson. Made from cypress hauled by wagon from Houston, the mansion was finished in 1856, taking three years to construct. In 1859, Wilson brought his young bride, Lizzie Ledbetter Wilson, from Tennessee to make their home in Milam County. The two-story home includes a weaving room where clothing was made, four bedrooms on the second floor, and two large parlors downstairs. There also are two smaller rooms on the first floor. Double doors on both floors provide a means to cool the home. Fireplaces in the house can accommodate four-foot logs. Large windows in every room of the house still are framed with faded green shutters. Closets in the upstairs bedrooms were added years after the house was completed, neighbors said. Bricks for the chimneys and the front walk were handmade in the plantation's brickyard near the Little River, neighbors said. Spurs and horseshoes were made in the blacksmith's shop near the plantation's log barn. Of course, in those days, people had to be self-reliant and you had to make your own stuff, Miss House said. The brick walk leading up to the front porch of the Wilson home was laid by Miss House's father, John W. House, a trusted friend of the Wilsons. House worked at the plantation for many years. That was a huge place, Miss House said. I don't know how many acres they owned, but they were well fixed. Neighbors continually worked to renovate the mansion, now modernized with electricity and plumbing. I have never restored it to 100%, but I just want to keep it from falling down if I can, neighbors said. A lot of times I came out by myself to work. Sometimes I had a couple of friends to help me. Charles Brady of Temple and L.D. Hill of Cameron. They liked that sort of thing. Inside the house, neighbors pointed out a rocking chair upholstered in cowhide, which is believed to have been made in the 1820s and brought to Texas by covered wagon. Most of the antique furnishings have been donated to the West Texas Museum at Texas Tech University in Lubbock. Many antique furnishings and items, however, have been stolen from the Wilson home over the past few years. Neighbors said iron cookware and old-fashioned crank telephones were among the items taken, he said. Once, while exploring an old building on the estate, neighbors found an original Eli Whitney cotton gin believed to be one of three such machines still intact in the United States. 
the gin has been donated to the West Texas Museum. Other gins are exhibited at the Smithsonian Institution and the Henry Ford Museum, neighbors said. The double doors that open into the main hall of the house are original. One door bears signs of repair made shortly after the house was completed. During a storm, a lightning bolt severed a tree limb that struck the door, breaking several boards, Miss House said. While restoring the mansion, neighbors discovered a board carved with dates and information about construction of the house, which was supervised by A. Evard. A handwritten letter, dated 1856, ordering glass for the windows, was discovered in an old trunk. The glass order came by ox cart, neighbors said. I guess they figured the glass would be broken by the time they got it here. Exploring the dusty contents of old trunks, neighbors found a Bible that belonged to Judge R.B. Baylor, a lawyer, district judge, and active politician who founded Baylor University. And coincidentally, I went to the University of Mary Hardin Baylor, which was the back at the time was the female part of Baylor University. So you had Baylor and then you had Baylor Female College, which became the University of Mary Hardin Baylor. And UMHB has Judge Baylor's body on campus. Yeah. The Bible was left by Baylor, who perhaps was an overnight guest of the Wilsons, neighbors said. Also found on the estate was the diary of a physician who kept a written account of his travels to the Texas frontier during the 1830s. The Wilson Plantation was established on land deeded by the Spanish government to W.W. Lewis, Miss House said. They, the Wilsons, also had a big farm up in the Wilson Cyclone area, she said. Wilson died in 1896 and Mrs. Wilson, prior to her death in 1921, divided the land. Some of the land that included the family home was willed a house. Another portion of the vast estate was left to the city of Cameron to serve as Wilson Ledbetter Park. The Wilsons had no children, so the remaining land was given to relatives. She, Mrs. Wilson, worried about what to do with the place. She loved it so much and she left some of it to us, Miss House said. Situated on Cemetery Hill, about 200 yards from the Little River, is the Wilson Family Cemetery. The last family member was buried in the cemetery in 1901, neighbors said. The first family member to be buried at the remote graveyard was William B. Wilson, who was born December 24, 1782, and died April 6, 1846. That's getting old, neighbors said as he pointed out the huge ornate marker. This cemetery is the oldest I know of in Central Texas. Many of the graves are surrounded by decorative iron fences shrouded in thorn-covered vines and shaded by tall elm and post oak trees. Although several small rounded tombstones are visible in the weed-choked cemetery, most markers are impressively designed, neighbors said. One marker, more than eight feet tall, is decorated with a strange carving. I haven't figured out that decoration, neighbors said. It looks like they draped a blanket over a post and put some flowers on the side. 
I have never seen anything like it. No flowers or shrubs bloom in the spring at the cemetery. The rocky terrain is just too dry for flowers to grow, neighbors said. There are many children buried in the cemetery and their tiny graves are all in a row and face east. The small grave of Maggie E. E. McShane, who died at age two, is marked with a small white stone decorated with the carving of a lamb. The epitaph reads, Our daughter has gone ahead to meet us on that blessed shore. The grave was surrounded at one time with a small log fence, which has now decayed away. It doesn't take revenants and ghosts and spirits to haunt a place. Memories, the truth of the place, the history of the place can haunt it too. In a little town called Copeland, Texas, C-O-U-P-L-A-N-D, Copeland, Texas, it's between Lexington and Elgin, west of Lexington. The old Copeland Inn and Dance Hall, it dates back to 1910, when the building served as, what else, a bordello and a speakeasy. Now, it's rumored to be one of the most haunted places in the state, and the paranormal activity reported at the establishment ranges from appliance turning on and off of their own accord to disembodied footsteps and cold spots, along with the many apparitions seen by her staff and patrons. A woman in old-time attire has been known to appear in an upstairs guest room where she hanged herself many years ago, whilst a young girl with brown hair has been seen playing with the cash register. Strangely, the activity in the dance hall reaches a crescendo whenever a performing band plays the old tune, Cotton Eye Joe. Huh, you got boot scooting ghosts. Okay. The 19th century building in Calvert, Texas was formerly a tea room named for the resident ghost, but now has been refurbished as a furniture store. Staff and diners claim to have heard a woman's laughter echoing through the building during the early afternoon and have seen a woman in old-fashioned dress wandering around the place. Known as the Laughing Lady, it is believed she perished in the fire that destroyed the original premises in 1899. Another ghost, which is perhaps a poltergeist, is suspected to haunt the old edifice as well. Welcome to Codependence. What's up, guys? I'm Sierra Miller, and I want you to join me and my sister, Maya Allen, every week for the inside scoop into our sisterhood. You will be getting front row access to the good, the bad, the ugly, and the pretty. So come let your guard down with your fellow codependents as we laugh and, of course, cry our way through this crazy world. See you every Wednesday. Now back to a place where I've got one alma mater, Mary Harden Baylor, Belton, Texas. There's a former boys school. It was active in the 1800s. The place is haunted by a number of spirits, including former students and the apparition of a former owner. Footsteps have been heard on the stairs and a strange 
voice has been known to call out names. Cameron Park in Waco, Texas is a busy place for the paranormal, according to stories. Check out nearby Lover's Leap and Jacob's Ladder for examples, but by far the most well-known story is that of the Witch's Castle, which is the popular name for a set of ruins found deep in the park. There are claims that there are weird smells, sounds of screaming, and other strange phenomenon in the area. The site was popularized by the site Weird US, but many locals claim they got the location wrong. I figure if you live there, you should know what's what. Debate continues, but the one location many people seem to agree on for the Witch's Castle is just north of the intersection of Adeline Drive and Marywood Lane. There is a rusty gate at the corner there. If you go past the gate somewhere up and to the right, not too far, are supposedly the remains of the building. For what it's worth, park officials are familiar with the story, but claim it is just that, a story. There are countless lover's leaps. Uh, it seems that wherever there's a tall cliff somewhere in the world, someone has spun a story about two star-crossed lovers who decided to end their lives there if they couldn't be together in life. Because society wouldn't let them be together in peace. Well, here's another one. This time on the north end of Cameron Park. The story here is that two Native Americans from warring tribes had fallen in love and they chose this spot to commit suicide together. There are claims that the couple can still occasionally be seen around the area and that their whispers can be heard if you listen real close. I've told the story about the Warda witch before, but it fits here. Warda is a small blink and you'll miss it kind of place along US Highway 77 between Giddings and LaGrange. You know, rumors spreading around in that Texas town about that shack outside LaGrange. Yeah, that LaGrange. The Warda Witch has been reported by my own brother, no less, to have been seen walking in the bar ditch pushing a wheelbarrow. He saw her in passing, but upon, upon turning his car around, she was nowhere in sight. Stories abound in the local lore of sightings of the specter, but alas, they are only stories. Up north of Thorndale is the small community of San Gabriel. There is a legend, for I don't know what else to call it, about some nuns who had apparently set up a mission in the area. During some sort of uprising amongst the local indigenous peoples, the nuns were attacked. Use your own imagination here, and they were murdered. The spooky legend claims that their screams of terror and pain can still be heard when conditions are right. Out Bushdale Road from Rockdale proper lies a cemetery wherein lies the mortal remains of a Civil War era Union Colonel, one Herman Henniger. Now, 
you would think, okay, a Confederate colonel, sure, why not? We're in the South. But this man was a Union colonel. He had started off as a Confederate, but became convicted in his spirit and joined the Union Army midstream. Anyway, there used to be a statue of the colonel there at the cemetery and a connected legend known throughout the area. The legend states that if you visited the cemetery at night, the colonel, as he was known, would follow you with his eyes. There was even one account which said that the statue raised its sword, perhaps due to some perceived slight or expression of disrespect. At the time, this was a very popular fright quest spot, but in late 1973, the ultimate disrespectful act occurred. A group of teens, supposedly numbering six, were arrested for toppling and breaking up the statue. Even though they were arrested, they were never prosecuted. Very sad. So, up home for me is Central Texas, east of Austin. And it has some ghost stories, lots of legends, and many spooky places. The house I grew up in outside of Lexington had quite a few events going on in it. I lived there from 1962 to 1986 or 1985. And the only time I spent away from that place was when I was at college from 1983 to 1985. But it had some weird stuff going on in it. I just love that part of the country.